Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, amen and amen as best as we can in our living rooms, our kitchen, wherever we are at the dining room table this morning, even if we're still in bed. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise like we always do at First Missionary because he's always, he's always so worthy of our worship. He's always worthy of our praise. And I'm just reminded today that no matter what is happening in our lives, no matter what is changing no matter what seems the same or even dull or mundane, you know, the Lord is just always worthy of our worship and our praise. And He's always working. He's always working. Even when I don't see it, He's working. And for that, we are so thankful today. Well, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I'm going to say it again. And I understand, too, that if you appeal to the marketing strategy of seven or what's called the golden rule of communication, unless people hear a message seven times, it doesn't really stick. So I'm going to say it one more time. What people really need when times are difficult and times are uncertain, they need to know that God loves them. They need to be assured of God's love, and they also need hope. They need hope to know that better days are coming. This hope we find in Jesus Christ. And even if the better days don't come in this lifetime, because we have faith in Christ, our better days will come someday. You see, Jesus isn't just our Easter hope, and we're still kind of in that Easter season. No, He's not just our Easter hope. Jesus Christ, whether we are aware of it, whether we acknowledge it, uh, whether we think about Him, Jesus Christ is really our everyday hope. And somehow, some way, faith in Christ gives our lives a foundation and a stability to keep on keeping on, to patiently endure, and to run this race of life, even when it seems like we're in a marathon that's never going to end. Well, you might be wondering today, and you might be asking yourself, so why should I place my faith and trust in Jesus? And the answer is simple, because Jesus is who He said He is. And then you might come back and you might ask a follow-up question. Well, is there anything that verifies that Jesus is who He said He is? And the answer is yes. Well, first of all, His resurrection that we celebrated two weeks ago, His resurrection verifies that He is who He said He is. He is the Son of God who died for the sins of the world. But not only His resurrection but also the miracles of Jesus verify his claims. And there were two kinds of miracles that Jesus performed. 
There were general miracles that, that anybody empowered by the Holy Spirit could do. But there were also some very, very special miracles. And these were called by the rabbis, the, the teachers of, of the Jewish faith, and through their tradition. They understood that there would be certain things that only God's chosen one, the anointed one, uh, the special one who would come and save people from their sin and be the redeemer of all mankind, the Messiah. They understood that there were, would be only certain miracles that the Messiah could do. And there are actually about three of them, maybe four, but about three of them that we've been focusing on. And guess what? Jesus did every one of those messianic miracles. Today, we're going to look at the Messiah's miracles, the messianic miracle number three. It comes to us in John's gospel, in John chapter 9. And we're going to look at this text today. We're going to explore what's going on here, even behind the scenes. And in John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, we're going to see an incredible story that is going to unfold where Jesus performs the third messianic miracle. John, he wrote, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, which means teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Uh, Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Uh, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And Jesus said this, while I am in the world, he didn't just say, I'm going to give you light. He said, I am light. I am the light of the world. And when he said this, Jesus, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to this man's eyes. And Jesus said to him, go. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed, and he came back seeing. Now watch this. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is, is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but he is like him, or maybe he looks like him. And he kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, how then? How then were your eyes open? He answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. And let's keep in mind, this man never actually saw Jesus. But then here's what happens. We're going to kind of fast forward in the text. The religious leaders would hear about this and they would come and they would interrogate this man. 
And then not only that, but they would interrogate his parents and verify his claims. And then they would come again a second time. A second time. They would come in verse 24, and they would interrogate the man again a second time. They called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. In other words, don't praise this man, Jesus. Give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And then he answered. Whether he is a sinner, speaking of Christ, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Father, we pray your power and your anointing over your word today, Lord. And I pray, God, that as we encounter the written word, we would have a deeper encounter with the living word, Jesus. Empower us, Father, to speak life and to speak truth to all who hear today. And Father God, I pray, if there be anyone who is blinded by discouragement, I pray that if there's anyone who feels blinded by hopelessness, I pray, God, if there's anyone who is blinded and they can't see a promising future, I pray that even now, Father, Jesus, by your Spirit, God, would show up in their life. And though they might be blind now, I pray, God, that through Jesus, they would see. So teach us, Father. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, as we have said, we are looking today at the third messianic miracle of Jesus. These messianic miracles are also known as the miracles of the Messiah. These actually came about through rabbinic tradition. Uh, the rabbis were the Jewish teachers. And throughout history, leading up to the time of Christ, the Jewish teachers, the rabbis, they, they knew that God had promised a special one to come. And they were very interested in any kind of sign or any kind of signal that that, that promised one had come. And so the rabbis, they believed that one of the signs that, that the Messiah, the chosen one, would do would be to perform some very special miracles. There were actually three miracles, three primary messianic miracles that were laid out. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at these miracles of the Messiah. And guess what? Uh, Jesus, in his life and ministry... He performed every one. So for those religious leaders who, who saw these miracles, it would almost be like Jesus saying to them, here's your sign. Here I am. I'm the Messiah. You gave these messianic miracles by your tradition. And God is meeting you where you are. Here I am. I am who I say that I am. And these miracles prove this. The first one was healing a leper. 
a Jewish leper had never been done before, Jesus healed that man. Uh, The second one had to do with casting out a a mute demon. And this is where a a demon would possess someone. And we looked at this last week, and you can go back and watch the message. It's when a, 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 a demon would possess someone, and typically they would use their vocal cords to communicate. And by Jewish methodology, someone could cast out a demon by making communication, identifying the demon's name, and then using the demon's name to cast the demon out. Well, guess what? If there was a demon that failed to use or would not use the person's vocal cords or rendered the person's vocal cords useless, that was called a mute demon. And then to cast that demon out would require something very special, and it wouldn't be Jewish methodology. It would require a power by God's chosen one, a power from God himself. Well, guess what? Jesus did that. He cast out a mute demon. But then after that second messianic miracle of Jesus, everything changed. You see, those first two miracles were given specifically for the religious leaders. God met them on their terms. He came to them. And I want you to understand today that God is a very personable God. He's not limited. He is not confined. You can't put him in a box. And wherever and however you need him to speak in your life today, God is able to take and to use whatever he would will to use to show himself to you in your life. He's a very personable God. And what he did is uh, by showing Jesus to these religious leaders through these miracles, God was basically coming to them on their terms to show them, hey, based on your tradition, yes, I will give you a Messiah. The Messiah will be able to do these miracles. And here he is. And his name is Jesus. But guess what? First miracle came, set off a firestorm of interrogation and actually investigation, then interrogation. And then by the time the Jesus cast out the mute demon, they had concluded, no, he's not the one. They would not accept the very clear evidence that had been put in front of them. And they rejected him. They rejected Jesus. So here's what happened. Jesus then pronounced judgment on that generation of religious leadership among the Jews. He he said that they, they committed the unpardonable sin. They had blasphemed the Holy Spirit by saying that Jesus had cast out that demon by the power of Satan himself. In other words, they saw the power of God in Christ and said, no, this is not God. This is Satan. And this is the work of Satan. And Jesus said, that is, the, that is blaspheming the Holy Spirit of God. And that generation did that. And later a judgment would come upon them. 
And upon that generation, you see, that unpardonable sin was a sin that was committed by that generation of Jewish leadership. But then after that, after that, everything changed. Jesus knew at this point in time that they had already made up their mind about him. That they weren't going to accept him no matter what he did. And so Jesus began to change how he would talk with people, how he would tell them about what to say and when to say it, who to say it to. And so by the time you come to this particular story today, this third messianic miracle, Jesus already knew that the Jewish leadership had already made up their mind about him. But this miracle, this miracle, this miracle would be for those who follow him. This miracle would be for his disciples. And it would be for their benefit. And it would be for what they would do after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. And it's a special one. Because it comes under also very, very unique circumstances. I want to be very honest with you in, in preaching this message today. I knew this message was coming about two or three weeks ago. I knew that we we're going to find ourselves here, here in John chapter 9. I knew what the third messianic miracle was going to be. And this week as I've studied, as I've taken notes, as I've got my, 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 my thoughts together, I almost feel like the dog that was chasing the car and he caught the car. And then after he caught the car, what he thought, what he thought was a, a Sentra was actually a semi. In other words, this is much bigger than I ever imagined. And this story and this episode and this miracle is so deep and it is so rich. And listen to this. It is so filled with the grace of God. That my prayer today is that as we listen in, as we tune in to this tremendous miracle in the life of Jesus, no matter where we find ourselves today, once meeting Jesus, we can also say like this blind man said, all I know is I could not see. I was blind, but now I can. Now I can see. Well, in John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, the scripture basically tells us that Jesus and his disciples were, were walking by and they were traveling as they would customarily do in that day and time. They would walk from place to place. And so in John chapter 9, Back in verse 1, the, the scripture tells us that Jesus and his disciples were actually walking by. And they would come upon this man. And they would see this man. And, and I want you to imagine with me just for a second how they might find this man. Many times people who uh, were in this situation in this day and time, and even like it is today. Many times their life was relegated to a life of, of begging, a life of poverty and it's it's very likely that this man was on the side of a street as they walked by and and there he was and and he had been begging but this man also 
uh, had a had a, a I don't want to say the word reputation, but they knew about his story. And here's what makes his story unique. And here is what makes this third messianic miracle unique. This man had been blind from birth. You see, the third messianic miracle has to do with the Messiah's ability to heal a man or a person who had been born blind. Not someone who was born and could see, but then through the course of their life, something happened and they became blind. No, this is someone who's been blind their entire life. Someone who's been born blind. And this man, he fits that criteria, and they knew that. And then the disciples asked Jesus a really, really fascinating question. And this question is absolutely loaded with their own understanding. And, and, and it's loaded with their own religious tradition. It's loaded with how the disciples view life. Uh, again, what is so amazing about our God and about Jesus is that no matter where you've been from, no matter where you're from, uh, no matter where you've been, no matter where you're going, no matter what your past is like, no matter what you need for Him to be real to you and for Him to manifest Himself to you, God is able and is willing to meet you where you are, right, wrong, or indifferent. And the disciples asked Jesus a tremendous question. They said, and they called him teacher. They called him rabbi. They said, rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Now, there's three major issues that are in that question. Uh, first of all, here's one major issue. One is the idea that someone's physical birth defect is caused by sin. Uh, the second thing that is a major issue in this question is that it could have been the man's parents. It could have been the man's parents who had sinned who caused the man to be born blind. And the third major issue is that it could have been the man. That the man could have sinned prior to being born, and his sin prior to being born is what caused him to be blind. And many of you are scratching your head and you're going, how can this be? Is this really how God operates? I want to remind you that the ideas behind the disciples' question, the ideas are actually fallacy. And these ideas are not based, they're not based upon what we would call like biblical theology or even a true right understanding of how God works. But what's happening here is that the disciples are reflecting their tradition. They're reflecting their religious tradition. What was known technically as Pharisaic Judaism. How they had been raised and what their religious leaders had taught them from a Jewish background. 
That's where these ideas come from. And guess what? You and I, even where we are today, we deal with our own ideas and thoughts that, that have been formed and fashioned by our religious experiences or our past or our traditions. And let me give you one example of this. Have you ever heard someone say, God only helps those who help themselves? You see, some people, uh, they might even think that's biblical. And the truth is, it's not. Here's the truth. Uh, many times, and you see this in Scripture, and I've experienced it in my life, and I've seen it in counseling. God doesn't help only help those who help themselves. So many times, God helps those who can't help themselves. But it takes someone who wants to be helped, willing to be helped, and many times, it's people who say, God, I can't help myself, but I know that you can help me. And God, I need you in my life. I can't do this. And so many times, it's when people say, I can't, God steps in and says, I can and I will. I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But even though the disciples had faulty ideas about how this man became blind. Guess what? Jesus still meets them on their terms, where they are. The Messianic miracle is so powerful because of this thinking. You see, for the disciples and how they understood life, they could appeal back to the law, meaning hundreds of thousands of years prior. And there you find in uh, the law, in the book of Exodus, where they would understand that at times God would visit, God would visit the iniquity or the sins of the fathers upon uh, children and grandchildren and generations to come. And, and from that idea, that's how they could surmise. Yeah, maybe, just maybe, this man was born blind. Because his parents had sinned. Now let me just pause for a second. And ask a question. Is it possible? That somebody could be born with a defect. A birth defect. Because of a parent's sin. Now, and the answer is yeah. I mean if someone is taking drugs. Or they're abusing themselves while they're pregnant. Yes they could give birth to a child that has defects or physical problems or maladies. But that's not the same. That's not the same as in, say, God's judgment. No, that is not how God operates. That might be the consequences of somebody's sin, but it wouldn't be God's judgment for a parent's sin to inflict a child. God does not operate that way. And especially... On this side of the cross, we live under the new covenant of grace. God deals with mankind graciously. But here's another thought that these disciples were dealing with. That, that when you understand this, it helps you to, to think that maybe they, they weren't so out of line, if you will. Again, appealing their, to their Jewish tradition and upbringing. 
Uh, these disciples had, had been taught throughout their lives because of Jewish theology that when a child was, was conceived in the womb, again, their own Jewish theology, not what's right, not what's biblical, but their own understanding of life, even though it was wrong. They thought that when a, a child was conceived in the womb, the child was actually torn between two inclinations. One was an inclination toward evil, and the other was an inclination toward good. They even became so superstitious about this, that if a child ever became aggravated in the womb and kicked its mama, then that would be the child breaking the commandment that you should not dishonor your father and your mother, but only honor them. And they would see that as the child sinning in the womb. And then they would see a birth defect or a problem as a result of that own person's sin before they were born. Again, this is not biblical theology. This is not correct thinking. This is not truthful thinking. These were just fallacies in their own religious tradition. And they saw this blindness from birth as a result of sin. But guess what? Jesus again meets them where they are. And this is what gives the messianic miracle of healing this man so much power. So you know what Jesus does? Jesus there comes right back. And he answers the disciples' question. There in John chapter 9. He answers it very, very clearly in the third verse. He says, just to, to correct their wrong thinking. He says, it was neither this man. It was neither that this man sinned. Nor his parents. But it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So Jesus says, no guys, no, 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 no. No. He wasn't born blind because his parents sinned. And no, he wasn't born blind because he sinned. Even if it was in the womb. He says, this man was born blind that the works of God might be displayed in him. And here's how I think Jesus is, is speaking this and even speaking this to us today. Jesus saw, watch this. Jesus saw this man's life. His, his entire life. All that he'd been through. And I want you to imagine with me for a moment. This man had never seen light. Had never seen the light of day. Even there with Jesus, he is standing in the presence or kneeling or begging in the presence of the light of the world. And he doesn't know it. He's never seen light. He, he's had a life of begging. He's had a life of poverty. But yet Jesus sees the summation of this man's entire life. Come into this point. And it's not a question of. 
Did God cause him way back then to be blind only for this moment in time? That's not what Jesus is focusing on. Jesus is focusing on the here. He's focusing on the now. And, and, and what God is interested in your life and in my life today is not what happened yesterday or what happened five years ago or ten years ago. He's interested in your life right now. And could it be could it be that no matter where you are today, whether you're blinded by sin or you're blinded by despair or you're blinded with some physical challenge in your life or you're blinded by hopelessness, no matter what you are blinded by today in your life, could it be that God has been bringing you to this moment and to this time for the express purpose of showing the power of God in your life. Jesus. After correcting the disciples' bad theology, says this man, he's, he's here for this moment. He's here. For now, to show the power of God in his life. Jesus would even go on and say to the man and speak to his disciples about working the works of God and doing it now and the power of what would come in their lives. And he is the light of the world. And when he had said this, the scripture tells us that Jesus, he spat in the ground. Uh, perhaps he even knelt down in the ground and, and, and with his spit. And, and you got to understand, too, that many believe that there were healing properties in saliva. And Jesus, he, he spat on the ground. And from the dust that was in the ground, he made a clay. And he took that clay and he put it on the man's eyes. And he sent the man away. And he sent him to a very special place. The pool of Siloam is where Jesus sent him. And you say, what is so significant? As we begin to wrap up our thoughts today and begin to, to bring this to a point in our homes and to our hearts. What was, such, what was the power of Jesus doing this? Well, for one, for Jesus to be able to to, to, to kneel down and even with his own saliva and I know some of you are going oh that's gross but again they understood that there were healing properties here but you know what he did he took the dust from the ground and he made a healing ointment now you tell me who is the only one who can take dust from the ground and create health, healing, and wholeness? This should recall to our hearts and minds the book of Genesis when God, from the dust of the ground, made man. 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You see, God can speak. He can take. Even from dust. Even from dust. And do great things. And make great things. Jesus from dust. And saliva. He made a healing ointment. And put it over the man's eyes. And when the man went and he washed. He came back. Seeing. Oh like I said there's so much more here. So much more here. So much more here. And when people asked him. What happened? Who did it? And this guy was interrogated. His neighbors interrogated him. The Pharisees interrogated him. They went to his parents. They interrogated his parents. His parents were fearful of being kicked out of the synagogue. And they said, hey, you go ask him. He's of age. And guess what? They interrogated him again. And after they interrogated him again the second time, and they asked him about Jesus, all the guy could say was, I don't know all I know. All I know is I was blind, but now I can see. And guess what? Later on in this man's life, he would get kicked out of the synagogue because he claimed allegiance to Jesus. And Jesus came to this man. And guess what? Jesus made a personal revelation of himself to this man. And he just simply said, Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you have faith? I want you to know. I want you to know. You didn't have to see me physically. For me to be willing to touch you. You didn't have to see me physically. For me to be willing to heal you. You didn't have to see me physically. For me to be willing to cause you to be able to see. And I want you to know. I want you to know. I am the Lord over all. Do you think that Jesus for a moment understood the background. And he was showing here's what I can do. I can reverse any ideas of your life that you think the reason why you're suffering or struggling is because of something you did. Jesus said, I can make it right. And I will make it right. And it doesn't matter. Because Jesus is interested in, in the power of God being shown in your life right now, today. And then when the time was right, and the man needed that extra encouragement. Jesus physically comes to him and shows himself. And the man, the man who was blind, who can now see, is now seeing the Messiah, Jesus. Oh my goodness. There's so much I don't know. And there's so much I don't understand. But let me tell you what I do know. One time I was blind. 
by my own sin. One time I was hopeless. I didn't even know it. One time I had a great need in my life. I didn't even fully understand who God was or who Jesus is. I didn't know much about theology. I had very little doctrine. All I know is that I had a need. And today, all I know is that I once was blind. But now, I see. Jesus stepped into my life. And He changed everything. He's willing to do that for you today. By you just simply placing your faith and trust in Him. He will heal. He will reveal. He will show. He will do. He will help you in your time of need. He is the Messiah. You can trust Him. He is who He said He is. We're going to close our time today with a time of response. Cody's going to sing for us. And let's just respond in song and spirit now. And, and then Cody's going to pray us out. God bless you for being here with us today. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.